Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. From Deuteronomy chapter 4. Just a special day in those first few chapters where things got written down. Deuteronomy chapter 4. I want to thank uh, Mike Penrod here this afternoon that did a fix for us in our ladies' bathroom. I want to thank Logan and Landon Johnson and Trevor McGee for shoveling the sidewalks out there to help try to clear a spot. Amen. As things melted, so we appreciate them for doing that. Also, just as a point of information, um, it, is, it is highly, highly possible that work in the back will start this week on the floor. And so all of this is, as far as the quickness of it, will be pending about me getting, I'm going to, we're going to get a container large enough to be able to facilitate the stuff that's back there so it ain't going out here so that we can just take it out that door and put it in a container. I'll make that call tomorrow. As soon as that container gets on the ground, you'll probably get a blast from me because we'll need people's help so that we can get those items that are back there over there. All right. Also, tonight after church, there's food items that if there's some back there you need, take them home because there'll be less that we have to figure out where it goes. Okay, for the period of time that that uh, is disturbed back there. But uh, all they need is for us to say, go, all right? And they're ready to start, all right? So as long as I can get a container and we can get stuff loaded in there, uh, I'm, I'm confident that before this week's over, it can be going. So uh, thank the Lord for that. And so the floor is going to be done from the floor here in the sanctuary throughout the hallways, the bathrooms, the baptistry rooms, all of it's going to be the same. It's not going to change from one floor to another floor. It's all going to be the same. All right. And so we're thankful for that. Amen. And uh, excited about that. So with that being said, things will be, of course, on the down low as far as use of any of that back there for about a week. For about a week. Because, uh, of course, you know, we have that blessed glue back there that has to come up first that they'll get up. And then they'll start to lay down our epoxy chip and seal type of flooring amen back there so we're looking forward to that so this is just kind of a, a step in our journey it's been how many years was it four years it's crazy i honestly it just seems like it wasn't that long ago but it it we've we've done game nights on that floor spilled crumbs on that floor we've swept that floor which is an endless thing an endless thing Yep, my daughter carved initials in that floor. I told him just to keep the epoxy clear right there. No, <laughs> we're going, we're getting rid of it. Amen. But anyway, so please, uh, if you get something from my number, it's probably a blast or some recording asking for your help uh, in in that in that endeavor. Deuteronomy chapter four. You're probably there. Thank you for listening to me preamble a little bit. Chapter number 10, or verse number 10, rather. Again, this is Moses talking to another generation of Israelites 
You're on the verge of crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. So he's recalling some things to them. And he says in verse 10, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb. When the Lord said unto me, gather me the people together. And I will make them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth. And that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain. And the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. The Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even ten commandments and he wrote them upon two tables of stone so he's really recalling them back to when the ten commandments was given and the quaking and the smoke and the lightning on the mount but he makes particular verse number 12 and it's kind of a central a central spot and focus for us tonight he says he spoke to you and you heard the voice of the words. You saw no similitude. In other words, you saw no form. You saw no image. You didn't see anything like that. The only thing that you heard was a voice. And in my Bible, ye heard is in italics, which indicates to me that was added by the translators, according to my Bible. So only, only a voice is really what it boils down to. And that is my subject matter for the next few minutes. Only a voice. Only no similitude, no form, just a voice. Father, I come to you this evening. God, we need, Lord, fresh wind, fresh power. Lord Jesus, here tonight, I pray, oh, Lord God, take these meager words, I pray. God, anoint them by your spirit, God, for the purpose of our lives and our hearts. I pray, oh, Lord God, let that wind of Pentecost, Lord, blow through here. God, however subtly, Lord, it may blow, God, that we would know for recognition, Jesus, that it is here. God, we have felt it, Lord, through song, God, and let it not, Lord, dissipate, God, through the ministry of your word. God, will glorify you and thank you for what you accomplished, Lord, in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen to the church, say amen. You may be seated this evening in Jesus' name. Only a voice. Only a voice. In the early 1900s, there was a woman dubbed as the Queen of Silence. She lived in Villa Giulia. It was an Italianate mansion with the finest view of the Hudson that was available on Manhattan Island. In 19. She started the Society for the Suppression of Unnecessary Noise, the world's first internationally renowned anti-noise organization. The founding of this organization was spawned, of course, from her own experiences along the Hudson River. It wasn't uncommon during the summer for her to open her windows to the summer breezes that would blow across the Hudson uh, to invite them into her home. However, Miss Julia Rice noticed 
that the outside world around her was becoming more noisy than usual. It wasn't abnormal for her to be annoyed by the regular tooting of the tugboats that traveled up and down the Hudson River, but they had become so frequent and so varied that she could only sleep just even a few hours each night because of the ambient noise that was on the Hudson. And so this was a very uh, a woman that was resolute. She was a go-getter. She determined that she was going to gather uh, some people together and do an investigation of this change that has happened on the Hudson River. She hired students from the Columbia Law School to go along the Hudson and during the nighttime in particular to track the noise that was taking place on the Hudson River. And so on a single night in December, these students recorded that almost three thousand whistle blast would take place on the Hudson River in a solitary night. There was endless varieties that to these blasts, meaning that there were some that were of the shriekest of, shri- uh, 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 of shrills and, and the deepest of booming sounds and there were others that were just maybe a split second of a blast and others were very long ear splitting shrieks that happened up and down along the Hudson. Even on a clear night, when it's not foggy, when there's not inclement weather, they had even counted that the tugboats had sounded their horns some 1,116 times along the Hudson River. And so she found that most of the signaled sounds that took place on the Hudson were sort of a wave between the boats. It was almost like a fraternal hello. The the tugboats were kind of passing one another and like, you know, to one another. It's just kind of a fraternal hello that they were, you liked that noise, didn't you? I'll tell you what, I practiced that all week. Amen. Just kind of a fraternal hello to one another. But what she knew was this, what she realized in her study was this, that those little extra sounds and extra noise and extra toots and extra tugboat horns and blasts that were taking place harmed the safety of boating because the relentless blast and the extra noise made it impossible to discern when there was a significant alarm that was taking place and was needful on the Hudson. There was extra noise that was taking place. I come on this Sunday night to inform you something that you already know, and that is this, that we live in a society today, and we could list a myriad of things. We could call it technology. We could say historically, ever since the Industrial Revolution, in many respects where it made life easier, and things like this have made life easier. Consequently, it has also made our lives a little bit noisier. Amen. Uh, The noise sometimes can even lend to chaos. It it hinders our ability if I might say to pick up and I'm not just talking about literal noise I'm talking about things that distract from the real alarms if you will of life to detract from what is significant. Folks I just got a sermon I started this morning I'm really still preaching it tonight. That, that, That detract from what is significant and meaningful. Amen sounds and things that should really grasp our attention. We've traded a silence where we can hear the slightest of thing for a cacophony 
cacophony of noise where we can hear no thing. Amen. Noise in our day and generation has become a distraction from what really matters. Amen. Sometimes it's the sound of our own thoughts that we need to be hearing. Sometimes it's the promptings of God's instruction that we need to be hearing. But there's so much that's available in our world today that's just extra noise that's drowning out the real alarms and drowning out the real significant things. And can I tell you tonight, noise just isn't related to sound. I I looked up the definition of noise just to have it right in my mind. It's not related to sound alone, but noise is defined as anything that obscures. It is defined as anything that does not contain anything meaningful. There's a lot of noise in our generation, our world, our society. Outside, I pray the walls of the church, there's a lot of noise in our world. What what type of noise are you talking about? And I'm not here, amen, to get on the bad side of anyone. But there's the noise of politics. And there's the noise of new stream media. And there's the noise of professional opinions. There's the noise of social networks. There's the noise of pseudo-religions. There's the noise of extracurriculars. There's the noise of fluff programming on every conceivable airway in our homes, in our vehicles, in our hands. There's the noise. Someone say amen. The cry to the seven churches in the book of Revelation is the constant cry to the church in our age. Almost every church, every, I say not almost every church that was addressed in, in Revelation 2 and chapter number 3, the angel, the spirit of the Lord would speak and say, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. But there is so much noise in our hour, so many things that obscure, if you will, the voice of the Spirit, the voice of God, that I'm convinced sometimes, listen to me well, I'm convinced sometimes we're allowing the adversary to control the narrative. Hmm. See, the adversary has attempted to control the narrative from the very beginning with mankind when he inquired of Eve and said this, Yea, hath God said. God had spoken a decree of what should or should not be done in the Garden of Eden, but the enemy steps in and says, I'm going to see if I can control the narrative. I'm going to see if I can control what the voice of God spoke to you. Hath the Lord said. Can I tell you today, if the adversary doesn't try to drown out the voice of God, he'll try to distract you from the voice of God. And if that doesn't work, he'll have you questioning whether the voice said what the voice said to you concerning your walk, concerning your talk, concerning your attitude. He's trying to control the narrative by whatever form he can. Someone say amen. As a matter of fact, the church of Laodicea, the Bible says quite frankly that they had this concept in mind concerning themselves. And I am convinced their environment, I am convinced their circumstance and others around them helped feed this type of understanding of themselves. Jesus spoke to that church that he said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He spoke to that church and he says, this is your estimation of yourselves. 
you say that you are rich. You say that you're increased with goods. You say you have need of nothing. I have no doubt that that church in that hour in the book of Revelation, amen, was speaking to themselves. And what they were saying to themselves was directed by their environment and their surroundings. And they were convinced of that. But let me tell you, all of that was nothing but noise. All of that was nothing but false. Because Jesus would later say to that same church in Revelation 3 and 20, he says, this is what you say, but I say you're wretched. I say you're blind. And then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door he says I'll come in and I will come to him and I will sup with him and he with me he said but you're listening to the narrative of your own mind you believe all is well you believe everything is just picture perfect but if you would just listen to my voice if you just heed to the words that I'm saying we could somehow turn this around and give a justified evaluation of where you are but you got to open your ears to the alarm, to the sound that is meaningful and important. Someone say amen. The cry of the last days as it was in the book of Revelation will be like the cry of Moses prior in our text, prior to Israel's conquest of Canaan. In our text, Moses urges another generation of Israelites that it would be the voice of God's words that would continue to lead them. It would be the voice of God's words that would continue to instruct them once they crossed over the Jordan River. He says, all these nations that are around you all of these nations of the land that are presently inhabiting the land that you're to go in and dispel. All of these nations are dominated by different gods. Are dominated by people that worship and honor and serve different gods. In the minds of these men, amen, that serve these gods. These gods have a particular image. These gods have a particular form. These gods have a certain appearance, if you will amen to them he says but I'm telling you amen you have to keep your ear tuned into the voice of the Lord because whenever your God made himself known to you he didn't do it through a form he didn't do it through an image he didn't do it through a similitude similitude. he came to you and he spoke to you and he gave you his voice I really just have one climax point and it'll happen at the very end, okay? Just telling you right now. See, the danger of the form is this. And we read of this in the book of Exodus. All right? This is prior to even crossing into the promised land. We read the danger of the form had already happened at the base of Mount Sinai. Whenever Moses went up the mountain, 
And he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights and he's receiving the Ten Commandments. And he's receiving the pattern to the tabernacle of the wilderness. And he's in close, if you will, proximity to God. And he's listening to God. And the voice of God is speaking to him on the top of the mount. And so while Moses was up there listening to the voice of the Lord at the base of the mountain... The people says, what's happened to this Moses? He's been so long time on the top of the mountain, if I may, listening to the voice. And while he was up there listening, the people then at the base of the mountain started to resort and said, Aaron, why, why, why don't you make us some gods? You know what they're asking for? Not a voice. They're wanting a form. They're wanting to look at something. So why don't you make us some gods? And they rendered into him some jewels and, and they threw it into the fire and this golden cap was carved and made and graven. At the base of the mountain was a people that resorted to a form while on the top of the mountain was a man of God that was listening to a voice. Moses and Joshua, the Lord strikes something in their heart. They know something's brewing bad at the base of the mountain. Moses starts to make his way down the mountain. He gets so far down and he picks up Joshua as they're traveling down the mountain. You can read this, a man in Exodus. As they're traveling down the mountain, Joshua says, Moses, listen to me. He says, Moses, he says, I hear a noise. Joshua told Moses Moses there's a noise that I'm hearing at the base of the mountain Moses spoke back to Joshua he said Joshua he says what you're hearing it's not the voice of mastery that you're hearing at the base of the mountain and it's not the voice of one being overcome that you're hearing at the base of the mountain you know what Joshua you've hit the nail on the head it is a noise can I tell you this tonight that whenever Israel resorted to forms when Israel resorted to images when Israel resorted to having to see something they were left without a voice and all they had was noise Man, we need clarity in this hour. I'm not satisfied with noise. I'm not, no, 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 we need clarity. If the trumpet's not to give an uncertain sound, there needs not to be an uncertain sound now. There must be clarity. There must be definition. There, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We need to silence the things that obscure from the important. Moses said, you heard the voice of his words. You saw no similitude when you was at Horeb. He said it was only, only a voice. Moses, why are you saying this before they enter Canaan? Why are you saying this before they cross over? Because there's a lot of forms on the opposite side of Canaan. There's a lot of forms on the opposite side of the Jordan River. There's a lot of images. There's a lot of quote unquote gods on the opposite side. And I don't want Israel to be disillusioned. I don't want Israel to be conditioned to think that if their God can't be seen, then he's a lesser God. Mm, yes. I don't want Israel to predicate the effectiveness of their God on whether or not he can be seen by their natural eye. Someone say amen. Was not the second commandment that you've learned in Sunday school, this thou shalt not make any graven image because God wanted Israel 
to steer clear from imagining an image for their God and making an image like or at least much like those of other false gods of a bird or a fish or a planet. Because hear me well tonight, and this is where we should still be in this generation. God's relationship with mankind has always been about being heard more than being seen. Being heard more than being seen. God, throughout the pages of Scripture, had trained mankind along these lines. A common phrase, and I just looked through my little, uh, punched it into my Bible on my on my iPad. I just punched in the, the, the word voice. And a multitude, multitude times from Genesis to Revelation, do it on your own Bibles. The phrase pops up that Israel oft times either obeyed his voice or they disobeyed his voice. Voice. Everything that happened to Israel as a nation could be traced to how they responded to his voice. Oh, someone say amen. Listen, man, I feel like I'm walking through tulips just a little bit tonight. It take me a little bit. But we have listened to listen to Pastor tonight. We have no sure evidence. We have no sure evidence from Genesis. That Adam and Eve saw God in the Garden of Eden. When it mentions God walking with them in the cool of the day, it doesn't say that God appeared to them. It talks about his presence, but nothing about his personal profile. It says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking. In the garden, in the cool of the day. What are you saying, Pastor McGee? I'm saying this. They may not have seen God, but they heard God from creation. God wanted his creation. If he wanted us to know his image and that took prominence, he would have showed himself. But from creation, he wanted mankind to be familiar with his voice. Said so we 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 heard God. Amen. It was God's voice, God's very words. That was what their relationship was built upon. Hearing the voice of God. What Adam say? He said, Lord, I heard your voice, and I was afraid because I was naked. He didn't say you showed up and I seen. No, he said, I heard. Why does that affect you so much? You know, a lot of people would have a harder time if someone showed up. But God had conditioned his creation. His voice was enough. But somehow, my generation, they know how to turn a deaf ear. My generation knows how to ignore his voice. My generation knows how to make other ambient noise to drown out. (laughs) 
He says, listen, Moses is saying you all are about ready to enter a land where you're going to be inundated with images and forms and similitudes of all sorts. But it's all just noise. Amen. These people are going to boast about their God's power. They're going to boast about their God's legitimacy. But mark my words, though you, listen to me, though you may see them, you'll never hear them. Though you can look upon them, you'll never hear them. Though your hand can touch them, they can't communicate with you. Though they have eyes, they see not. Though they have ears, they hear not. Though they have mouths, they can't speak. If I can say it like this, I'd rather have one God that could speak in my life than a thousand I could look at. I said I'd rather have one God that could speak into my life than a thousand I could look at. There was no form at this stage to the God of Israel like the forms of idols of the other gods that were around them. And we knew another case in point that God conditioned them for the voice. Come on, this is Sunday school Bible story time. Tell me what happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a Babylonian heathen land. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a head of gold, others of iron, others of brass, others of clay mixed with metal of feet. Daniel told him the interpretation. He said, you, O king, your kingdom is that head of gold. What does Nebi do? He built one whole idol out of gold. <laughs> and they served a multiplicity of gods in Babylon. And he says, as they played the sack button, the harp, and all this thing takes place, everybody's to fall down and worship the image, the form. But standing among those Babylonians were three Hebrew boys that did not bow, did not bend, that were thrown in the furnace as a result. What are you silly boys doing? Don't you see there's a form over there? Yeah, but that's not the way that we were raised. I don't care what I see. I know what I hear. I don't care what I'm looking upon. I know what spoke. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here. We sing... We sing the song around here. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Mm, I said, even when you don't see it, he's working. He'll never stop. He'll never stop. I don't have to see it. But if I've heard his voice, if I've got a promise, if there's a prophecy, only a voice is what I need. Everything else is noise. God, Moses said, God just gave you the words, the voice of his words at Horeb because he wanted you to be a people that would be led and guided by his voice. He wanted you to be attuned to his voice. Whew. I still got a lot of preaching. It. Take, for instance, the book of Hosea. It's about a man that is loving 
and staying faithful to an unfaithful wife, Gomer. And it is, in essence, the book of Hosea is an illustration of God and his relationship with the nation of Israel. Loved her, stayed faithful to her, while she goes around unfaithful with these gods, unfaithful with this nation, bowing down the forms and images and offering sacrifices. But God remained faithful. Look what Hosea says in chapter 2, verse 13. And I will visit upon her the days of Baalim, which basically is interpreting many idols. Wherein she burnt incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers. This is the unfaithful Israel. And forgot me, saith he said, I'm going to visit upon her. He says in verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness. I'm going to call her out of the city. I'm going to call her away from the images. I'm going to call her away from the forms. I'm going to pick her up out of the noise. And I'm going to take her to the wilderness where I had her before she ever entertained it. And I'm going to allure her and I'm going to what? Show some grand demonstration. Uh, I'm going to pull back my sleeve and show her my arm of power. No, no, no. He says I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to get away from everything else and remind her, it's in my voice, honey. It's in my voice, honey. You want success? It's found in my voice. You want to make it? Israel, it's in. It's not what you see. It's what you're hearing. Listen. Listen to my voice, Israel. See, because in many regards, Israel was unlike, of course, the heathen or what God wanted Israel to be. should have been unlike the heathen. The heathen people were those who walked by sight and not by faith. Israel, he wanted to walk by faith and not by sight. Point point being made that the heathen walked by sight could be the story of when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh the king of Egypt and they are pleading that Pharaoh would let God's people go that's what their plead was that's what their request was Pharaoh's response a heathen king in a heathen land that was proliferated with forms and similitudes. Says in Exodus 5.2, look at it now. And Pharaoh said, responding to Moses and Aaron, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Because they said, this is what our God says. Let his people go. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Here's a pagan king in a pagan land whose concept of life and gods is about everything he can see. 
And so he says, you say your God says this. But who is your God that I can obey his voice? He's saying, I don't, I don't know. I don't know your Lord. In other words, you know really what Pharaoh is getting at here? If you can show me a form. If you can show me a form or image as a point of reference for your God, maybe I can get to know him. But who is your Lord? I don't know your Lord. You don't have anything you can point to and say that's your... You have anything you can point to and say that's your God? Show him to me so I can know him. I don't know the Lord because to the heathen, knowing something was seeing something. But to Moses, hearing it alone was enough. It's a spirit, and I feel the Holy Ghost. I know where I'm headed. It's a spirit that led on into the New Testament scripture. Whenever the people of the New Testament wanted more than a word, they wanted more than a voice. Give us a sign. Give us a miracle. Give us a wonder. Give us something. And Jesus spoke plainly to that generation, and he said, It is a wicked and an adulterous generation. That seeketh that seek after an adulterous generation? Yes. Why? Because you need a form all these other gods you'll be unfaithful to and commit adultery with against me you're a wicked and adulterous generation that need a sign or a miracle he says when you won't accept my voice is everybody doing alright the scriptures the scriptures Someone say the scriptures. The scriptures are the voice of God to the souls of men. Hear me. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, it's not up there, but I'm just referencing it. It starts out like this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The NIV says it like this, and this is a good translation, honestly, for this words when you look it up. In the Greek language, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. The word inspiration is made up of a couple, couple, two Greek words. One means God, the other one means to breathe or to blow. All scripture is God-breathed. Predominantly, that is the reason why it's the inherent word of God. I know people want to, want to cheapen it today and say, oh, there's so much contradiction in scriptures. What in reality, they just don't understand. And so whenever I thought about this concept of just a voice, I, I went to dictionary.com. You don't have to have a book for a dictionary now. You look it up online. And it said, voice is the sounds, especially speech, that a living thing makes using their mouth or the ability to use vocal cords and air to make sounds. And so if all scripture is God breathed, I can confidently say this, even without having said all that, that God's voice is never clearer than when it comes to you through his word. To hear, this is fat. To hear the word of God is to hear the voice of God. Oh yeah. I don't have to have a prophet come by. 
We need them. They're a part of the five-fold ministry for the perfecting of the saints. But what I'm telling you, you don't have to have a prophet come by to hear a word from God. You don't have to have a prophet come by to hear the voice of God. Every time we gather on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday and the youth here on times and this is used, you're hearing his voice. I'm not there. Paul states a little parenthetical phrase to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. That's where the statement comes. It's in parentheses that says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. He states that following up a couple of verses about how while we are in these present bodies of ours, that we are absent from the Lord. That's what he says. Amen. Because another place it says to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. But to be present in these bodies is to be absent from the Lord. I know the Lord is everywhere, but meaning that we are not in heaven. We, we're not there to look upon any type of physical face. And so we are without, in these present bodies, we were without a form of God. And so our walk on this earth is a walk of faith. Not sight. Tell me the scripture if you know it, because you do. We walk by faith, right? Not by sight. Tell me the scripture you know it because you do of Romans 10, 17 that says, So then faith cometh by and hearing by which we've already said is his voice. We walk by faith that we garner by hearing the word which is his voice. We walk by the voice. And not by sight. Can I tell you to hear the word of God again? Is to hear the voice of God. Church, listen to me very clearly. I feel the Holy Ghost. I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay in this generation and in this day. Amen. Because I understand Hebrews even says that the worlds were framed by the word, or if you will, the voice of God. The Bible says in Psalms 33 and verse number 6, For by the word or the voice, interject either one, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Go home and read Psalms 29, all of it. And you'll learn this when it speaks and it's talking about the voice of the Lord. It says the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf. Honey, if all of that is only from a voice, You can have your form. You can have your sign. Just give me his voice. I'm almost to my point. I'm almost to my point. Again, knowing the voice was so important to the Lord. Again, you all know, many of you know these Bible stories. It was so important. It was important enough even to the training of a young Samuel, right? That's taken to the house of God, delivered of his mother to be lent to the Lord, as the scripture says. And Samuel's laying on his bed one night, and three times he heard a voice. 
And he got up thinking that it was the priest Eli. And he went to Eli and he says, hey, buddy, what do you want? I heard a voice. Eli says, go back to bed. He hears a voice again, gets back up, goes to Eli and says, hey, what do you want? He says, go back to bed. After the third time, Eli said, hey, buddy. He said, whenever you hear that voice again. What was happening? On the job training is what was happening. He said, when you hear that voice again, you say, speak, Lord. For that, because see, Eli's going to just slip on off the map of being priest, and Samuel's going to rise up as a prophet, and he's going to have to know. Woo! The voice of the Lord. Jesus was emphasizing through scripture that he needed people to learn his voice. It was Thomas in the New Testament that basically said to the Lord after the resurrection, amen, after everything happened, Thomas wasn't there when the Lord first appeared to the disciples, but he was when he came back and appeared again. And this is what Thomas basically told the Lord, I'll believe it when I see it. That's Thomas. But what did Jesus say to him? He said, blessed are they which have not seen, yet have believed. This is all talking about, just follow me here closer right here, because this is helping us lead to the climax here. He's talking to them concerning his resurrection. He's talking to them about his resurrection from the dead. Before it ever happened, he told them and others more than once, this is what's going to happen. Scribes and Pharisees going to take me. They're going to persecute me. They're going to put me to a cross. They're going to put me in the ground after I've died. But after three days, I'm going to rise again. That's everything he told. Them and Thomas says, If you'll show me, I'll believe it. He said, I've told you before I showed you. And blessed are they that would just believe. When I spoke it, he's emphasizing they need to be led by his voice. Is everybody all right? I got a little bit of time and sweat left in me. So let me tell you tonight why God visited mankind in the Garden of Eden with his voice. Let me tell you why he had Moses emphasize the importance of his voice that they had heard at Horeb. Why he took Israel aside into the wilderness to speak unto her. Why the Lord did all of this. Everybody doing all right? Song of Solomon. Chapter number 5 and verse 2 is the picture of Christ in his church displayed through the beloved and the dove, through Solomon and the Shulamite. The Bible speaks this. The bride says, I sleep. The bride says, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice. Of my beloved that knocketh. She many times in Solomon's writing is depicted as the dove. She says that I was asleep. But the bridegroom's voice. His voice knocked at my door. And I woke up. Can I say it like this? Any other voice could have spoke at her door. And she would have probably have slept on just the same. But this was the voice of the one that she was acquainted with. This was the voice of the one that she had learned. 
This is the voice of the one that she had tuned her ear to. This was the voice of the one that she knew the cadence of. And she said his voice, it wasn't his hand knocking at my door. It was his voice knocking at my door. Brother McGee, why is that important? Listen to me. I'm coming. I'm landing the plane. Why is that important? Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 5 and verse 28, He said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. Honey, if there's been a thing today, it's the second coming of the Lord. Listen to me very clearly. He said, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear His Just walk with me here just for a little ending. Those that are in the grave, the, the, the letters speak of it. They're talked, spoken of it being asleep or asleep in Jesus. He says there's coming a day that those that are in the grave, they're going to hear his, speaking of the Lord, going to hear his voice. Now watch me here. I know. It's like, Brother McGee, you've taken 41 minutes to make your point. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. This is a verse we love and exhort, exhort about and quote. Speaking of the rapture of the church, hear me plainly. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And it's not talking about him doing the Charleston or a shindig. With the voice of the archangel. With the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Listen, listen to Pastor tonight. This is maybe a little more teaching mode right here, but listen to me. You read this verse of scripture. I've studied it inside, outside, what other people had to say about it, And it is just about as complex as pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. Be, listen to me. Because the Bible says that he shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God. Listen to me. There are people that favor that there will be three distinct sounds at the coming of the Lord. There's those that favor there's two distinct sounds. And there are others that, that favor and support the idea that there will be a great one sound signal. Just, just, just walk with me here for a moment. I've heard my whole life about the sounding of the trumpet. There's songs talk about the sounding of the trumpet. But when I looked up the meaning of these words, it almost just threw me back to the floor. Because the word shout Meaning is this, a cry of incitement or a cry of motivation, a cry of encouragement. The word voice means a tone or a sound or a voice. Get this, though. The word trumpet means a quavering or reverberation. Here's something I cannot tell you because I'm not living in the future. I don't know if each one is distinct or not. Or if they'll all just giving descriptions to representing one sound. But I do know that his voice is involved. Did not John say, hear me? Did not John say in the book of Revelation when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he said, I heard behind me, listen, a great voice as of a trumpet. 
as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. What are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. Could it simply be that on rapture day, it will be the voice of the Lord with a quavering and a reverberating cry of incitement, of motivation that will be calling his people home. And that's why from the very beginning of the garden all throughout scripture, he wanted his people, he wanted his disciples, he wanted those that had been born again of the water and the spirit to be familiar and give heed to his voice because that same voice would be the voice that would awaken them out of their grave. Just a The girl said I was asleep, but it was his voice knocking at the door. I knew that voice. I knew the ca- I'm telling you, church, if we're going to go when it's time to go, we're going to have to know his voice now. We're going to have to acquaint ourselves with his voice now. We're going to have to know the cadence, the reverberation and quaver. Stay with me. Because listen to me. Listen. Us that sleep in Jesus. It's not about what you see on Rapture Day. It's about what you hear. It's about what you hear. And we are in the conditioning of hearing it right now. So if you want to ignore the voice now, beware you may not recognize the voice then. If you don't have no time for the voice and you want to move other things in your life to distract you from the voice and you want to raise the, 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 the decibel level of the noise in your life, amen, so the voice can get lost, then you'll miss the important alarm because you will not have acquainted yourself with the sound of his That all that are in their grace, they're going to hear his voice. Describe it as a shout. Describe it as a voice. Describe it as a sound of a trumpet, as John did. But he said it all boils down to this. It was a great voice. There's people, we've seen before, even at camp sometimes, there's people that are so musically inclined Someone can hit any chord or key on the piano and then tell you that's B flat, sharp, minor. And when you get in, just say any key and you get into the family, what's diminished, what's augmented, what's minor. Honey, you got to have a keen ear to know the difference between just B flat and B flat minor. That one ain't so bad, but you got to have a keen ear. Whether you're on this earth or whether you've already went by the way of the grave, there's going to be a voice, a sound. But like Miss Julia Rice, are you going to be able to pick it out among all the other noise, 
all the other things that are trying to obscure. That really doesn't mean anything. Are you going to be able to pick it out? Then like Moses sitting at the base of the river Jordan before they cross over, I tell you this. Remember that it was the voice of his words and not the similitude that God instructed you with. And it will be that voice that you need to hear to lead and guide, instruct, and ultimately call you home some day. So, Brother Fred, you know what I would do with that information? Every time it's Sunday morning and I'm sitting in an adult Bible class or a student in my youth class or a kid, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be listening to everything that teacher is saying. Oh, yeah. Anytime that that person would ever meet with the pastor and he says, well, let's just see what the word says. And they cock that halfway dog cock at you like, what's the big deal? That's the word. That's his voice. What's the big deal? Honey, we're trying to condition you to know it. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, it's second coming Sunday. It's second coming Sunday. We got to talk about it. The old time preached, all they talked about was heaven and hell. Seriously, they, they preach heaven and hell in the ground. That's all they ever talked about. And I'm talking about second coming this morning and tonight. I told the leadership, you wasn't back there, but I told them, how many with the great storm landing coming up? Sorry, Landon. That had happened. How many made preparations? Made sure you had fuel. Made sure you had extra food in your refrigerator. Made sure you had, in case electricity went out, that you had something. Be honest with me. How many made preparations because you knew it, it possibly could do that? How many are being just as diligent in making preparations for the second coming of the Lord? Because we're not if it will happen. I got to make sure I have food. We might, we might be out electricity for day. I got to make sure we got gas and kerosene. We got to have the kerosene heater. We got, I'm going to go buy a generator. I know people who went and bought a generator. And probably some of them are glad they did. Because they lost power. But what extent are you willing to go to? To make sure. Your calling and election is sure. Here, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, whew, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God is going to sound. It's going to be a voice. These altars are open tonight. We bow our heads, close our eyes. All across. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.